is actually a continuation of chapter 21. Two of the New, Jer uh, New Jerusalem reaffirmed the fact that only those who possess, only those that who possess the righteousness that's been granted to us by Jesus Christ will have residence there. Only those who have been granted righteousness by Jesus Christ will be in the New Jerusalem. Uh, how you get that righteousness? When you become born again, the righteousness has been imputed to you. And it's his righteousness, not your own, as Paul says. I know we look at the world and we get discouraged sometimes, but you know in the end, you know you're going to win. Amen. You might have some bumps in the road and trials. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And you will overcome too. No matter what you're going through this morning, you know, the Lord is there with you. So ch chapter 22 talks about verse one, the river of life. John continues, and he showed me a pure river of life. Crystal, it says, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and the lamb. River of life is evidently the reference to the garden in, in paradise and the river by which it was watered. This river watered the paradise, you know, and uh, the river symbolizing the blessings of God. You know, Genesis 2, 9, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and is good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This tree of life. It said in the middle of, of the street on the other side of the river was there are three was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were the healing of the nation. The tree of life suggests the abundant life, everything necessary to sustain life, including perpetual health, is provided in this tree. Uh, it says, bring forth many kinds of fruits, 12 fruits, 12 kinds of fruits every month. That's going to be the best fruit you ever had. It brings forth fruit for all times, yields its fruit every month. This tree is never empty. This tree is never barren. There's always fruit on this tree. But it's, it is a continuous, always fresh fruit. The fruit is not only pleasant, but it's also wholesome. And the leaves shall be life-giving. It said the, the leaves of the tree will bring healing to the nations. These leaves will not only bring healing, it will prevent illness. Because there will be no sickness in heaven at all. But it will stop sickness from even occurring. Can you imagine that? In our glorified bodies, we can continue... In our glorified bodies, we can continue eating. And all God's people said amen. Since Jesus ate in his glorified body, you know, why shouldn't we? You know, Luke 24, so while, while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, have you any food here? We see that Jesus ate in his glorified body. So, he, so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. 
And he took it. And the Bible said he ate it in their presence. So in these glorified bodies, there's going to be all this delicious fruit. I don't know about you, but I love fruit when it's fresh. This is going to be fresh fruit every month. It's going to be the best fruit you ever had in your entire life. Because it's coming straight out of the throne made by God himself. Not the fruit here. It's going to taste better than that. Than this fruit we eat right now. But it says in verse 3, that will be no more cursed. Everything that Adam did is going to be reversed. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. There will be no more curse. A curse was placed on the earth at the fall. All creation was cursed, but there will be no more curse in heaven because there will be no more sin there. No more sin. It's going to be a perfect place. The curse is removed from Adam. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the curse is removed forever. The curse came by their disobedience. Some people ask the question, what will we do in eternity? We shall, we're going to praise the Lord. We know that. We're going to serve him. His servant shall, we're going to serve him. But it's, we're going to be uh, so encouraged. It's going to be a perfect place. As we seek to serve the Lord here on earth, we are constantly handicapped many times by trials and weaknesses and sin. But all hindrances will be gone when you get to glory. There will be nothing will hinder you to be perfect service. There will be perfect a perfect environment, if you can imagine that. What will our service be? We are not told. We need to know. We don't need to know now, but you'll know when you get there. I don't think it's going to be a boring moment there. It is sufficient that we know what God wants us to do today. Let's don't worry about what we're going to get there, what's going to happen when we get there. Let's think about what does God want us to do now? You got to stay the course. You got to be salt and light. You got to share your faith. You got to bring forth fruit. Hey, you know what? If you stay close to Christ in his word and prayer, he'll direct you. He'll speak to you. He'll let you know. But you got to stay close to Christ in these last days. It's just it's just too much going on. And if you know, if you're not close to Christ, you're going to be in, in fear and everything else. So. We need to seek what God wants us to do now. You know, it's, I know there's sin, there's weaknesses, there's all kind of hindrances in this world. But when we get the glory, perfect, perfect environments. You have a bright future. Maybe not necessarily here on earth. Maybe you do on earth. I don't know. But I know in heaven you're going to have a bright future. So you got to stay the course now because in the end it's going to be worth it. I can't hardly wait. God is preparing us for heaven. He's preparing us to spend eternity with him. We're going to be servants in heaven. We also will be kings and priests. 
in heaven. We will reign forever. We will share share Christ's authority. All believers are seated in heavenly places today, even right now. We're going to reign as king, as priests. What honor is that going to be? That God will let us be kings and priests in heaven. We're going to serve him. There's a lot of things about heaven that's not answered right now. But when you get there, everything will be clear. What we do here now is going to count throughout eternity. Knowing that we should dwell in heaven, this city, we ought to make, it ought to make a difference. Knowing where we're headed and knowing where we're going, it should make a difference in our life right now. How we live, how we act. The assurance of heaven must be, it must not lull us into complacency. We can't be careless We have to fulfill our duties here on earth. It says in verse four, they will see his faith and his name shall be in their foreheads. God will own his people. We are bought with the price of the lamb and having his seal on our foreheads. We will reign with him forever and we will observe the beauty of the Savior's countenance daily as we live in the presence of God forever. He said we shall see his face. Can you imagine? And his name shall be on our foreheads. Mark's ownership. His name is described on our foreheads. This is our seal of eternal ownership. He owns us now. He will own us then. He said there will be no more night there. The need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives light and they shall reign forever and ever. No light there. Can you imagine? Always sunny, perfect weather, perfect environment. Can you imagine? No need for the light because he will be our light. Then he said to me, these things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must take place shortly. These things are true. You know, he said in Revelation 19, 9 and also Revelation 21, 5, he keeps saying these things are faithful. They are true. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Verse seven. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Jesus return is imminent. Three times as he closed this book, he says, I am coming quickly, which suggests he's going to come swiftly. It means that when events start to occur, they're going to start occurring swiftly without delay. And you can see things right now occurring quickly. Things are happening faster. Things are picking up pace. Can you see that? We do not know when Christ is going to appear, but it behooves us to be ready because it could be any time. Keep the prophecy of this book. It means to watch this book, to guard it. To preserve it. We are not to add to the word of God or take anything away from it. And I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard, I saw and I fell down to worship the feet of the angel who showed me these things. 
And he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant. And of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So a second time, John is so taken back by what the angel is telling him, he can't, he can't grasp it. It's too much to comprehend. It's beyond the imagination. John just didn't know what else to do, so he just falls down and starts worshiping the angel. And the angel said, don't do that. I'm just a fellow servant just like you are. <laughs> he fell down to worship the angel, and the angel would not receive it. He, the angel said, worship God. I think the angel is pretty humble. Worship God. He says, only God deserves worship. The angel does not receive it. The angel does not permit it. He gave glory to God. The, the, worship, of, the worship of any created being is adultery. And, and the Bible warns against that. The worship of any created being, man, a building, anything. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? Scripture teaches. The worship of anything else besides God himself is adultery. And he said to me, do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. The book must be, remain open because of the urgency of the hour. It's the urgency. Or can you feel it? It's the urgency of the hour even right now. Do not seal up this book in Revelation. Now, the Daniel, prophet was, Daniel the prophet was commanded to seal the book in Daniel 12, but he tells John, don't seal the book. They write in two different times. Daniel the prophet was told to seal the book because the time was not yet ready, but Daniel's message was sealed because it was not a message for Daniel's time, but the book of Revelation was a message for John's time and is relevant today. So John was an apocalypse or the unveiling and therefore it must be it must not be sealed refers to the fact that these things are meant to be known and understood and these truths are not to be hidden so he said do not seal because we want you to understand we want you to know we don't want you we don't want these things to be hidden that's why some pastors won't teach the book of Revelation. They say it's no way you can understand it all. Well, you, they, you can understand everything, but some, some churches, some pastors won't even touch this book because they say it's no way that you can understand it. The visions are not kept secret for the latter generation, but they are relevant for Christians today. God wants us to see right now everything is beginning to fall in place. Everything is beginning to speed up. Everything is beginning to line up with scripture. Nobody can stop that. God is still in control. He said it would happen exactly the way it is happening. He's not surprised or caught off guard by what is going on. It has been written the Bible says some people are unchangeable. Verse 11, they're going to continue to do and they're going to continue to run their own life. 
and they're going to be the captain of their own ship and they're going to be in full control of their life. He said, he who is just, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. Who is righteous, let him be righteous still. Who is holy, let him be holy still. It proclaims the fact that people are building up their destiny right now by their own actions and habits of their lives. They are building up their own destiny. He said, if you're going to be unjust, you don't want to change. Sometime, one day it's going to be too late to repent. It's going to be too late to repent. It's going to happen so quick. It's going to happen so fast within a twisting of an eye. If you're not ready, it will be too late to get ready. The unrepentant must now face the consequences of their own actions. He unjust, let him be unjust still. Let him continue. But the time will come. There will be no second chance. There will be no more opportunity to change. There will be no more opportunity to change their destiny. You never know what happens. Life is so fragile. And with that condo that collapsed in Florida, people just didn't know. Going into that condo, that that would be the last time that they would live. That they didn't. They had no idea. You don't know when you're gonna go. You don't know if you're gonna be here tomorrow. You don't know that. That's why the Bible says, be ready. Be ready, man. You got Christ. You don't have to fear death. You have Christ. You don't have to fear anything. Did you know that? Because Satan controls people with fear. And we see a lot of fear now being sold all over the world. Pandemic's over, they say are declining. Now they say the Delta virus is on the increase and in every single state. After the, after the, the Delta virus, then it's going to be another virus. And after that, it's going to be something else. Satan going to see to that. Satan going to see that it's always chaotic. It's always confusing. He's going to see that Fear controls people. Well, the person that's unjust, he don't want to change. He can remain that way. When Christ comes, it will be too late to, un to unchange it. It will be too late to change. Verse 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according to his work. I am come quickly. He's going to come suddenly. It's going to be quick. Behold is found 30 times in the book of Revelation. Behold, it means that pay attention. He says, pay attention. Jesus said, told the Pharisees, you know, you guys can discern the, the weather. You know when the sun is going to shine. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But he said that you don't, you don't have the eyes to see the signs of the times. 
Can you see the signs of the times? This is unlike anything that I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never tried to pastor a church during a pandemic, <laughs> but I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to run from it. Believers got to realize that you don't have much time to serve the Lord before he returns. Whatever you're going to do for him, whatever, you don't, whatever you're going to do for Christ, you better do it now. He said he's going to reward everyone, verse 12, according to his work. Work before Christ didn't mean anything, but works after Christ means a lot. It will, it will last throughout eternity. Oh, you know, salvation is not of works. We all know that. He said, my reward is going to be with me. He go, in other words, he's mindful. He's mindful of everything that you're going through. He's mindful of your service. And nothing for Christ will be done in vain. If it is done for him, it is not done in, in vain. He's going to reward every believer for what they've done. At the judgment seat of Christ, believers will be judged according to their works. And rewards will be given to those who have been faithful in serving. Reward is waiting for those who believe that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the Son of God. Rewards are being waiting for us. Now, we shouldn't be rewarded, but we are going to be rewarded. And some people are going to get more rewards than others. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in this body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, we have, we have a stewardship. We have to give an account of the gifts and the talents that God has given us, the finances that God has given us, He's, you know, you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the rewards are handed out and people who have stored up treasures on the earth. When they stand before God, it's just it's just going boom, wood, hay and stuff is just going to burn up. And there's a lot of people who are storing up treasures right here on earth and not storing up treasures in heaven. But when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he said, I gave you a life to live. How did you live it? I gave you time on earth. How did you use it? I gave you gifts and talents and finances. How did you use those? Did you store up treasures in heaven or did you store up treasures on earth? The judgment seat of Christ can be a great time for a lot of people. But, you know, a lot of Christians are going to be embarrassed over there. They're going to be embarrassed. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but they're going to say, boy, if I had only known heaven was this pretty, this beautiful, if I had only known, I would have served more. I would have given more. If I had only known. If I could only turn back the hand of time. Can't turn it back. You go this way one time. That's it. But everything you do for Christ is going to last. There's going to be different degrees of rewards. People that have served, get, put Christ first, serve Christ with their life. 
it will be tremendously rewarded. For those who have not, will, won't get as many rewards. But Christ's rewards are meant to provide a powerful incentive to serve Christ in this life. So we don't want to become careless and lazy because Jesus is coming. He said in verse 13, I am the Alpha and, and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Great encouragement to anyone who seeks to serve the Lord. Whatever God starts, he's going to finish. He said, I'm the first and the last. For he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. At the winding up of the whole revelation, the Lord Jesus announced himself, the one before and after. There was no one before him and there's no one after him. I'm the first and the last. The first and the last. Christ is the beginning of all things and he's the end of all things. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. In Eden, Adam and Eve were barren from access to the tree of life because of their sin. But in the new earth, God's people will eat from the tree of life because their sins have been removed and their sins have been forgiven because of the death and the resurrection of Christ. Those who eat of, the, of this tree will live forever. If Jesus have forgiven your sin, you have a right to eat of this tree of life. No wonder John adds, blessed are they that do not, that do his commandments. Blessed are those that do his commandments. If Jesus is coming, we should be watching and we should be faithful and we should be alert Verse 15 said, but outside are dogs and sorcerers, those that use drugs, sexual immoral and murderers and adulterers. And whoever loves to practice a lie, the dogs, the morally impure people, you know, they used to call Gentile dogs, you know, by the Jews used to call Gentile dogs, but some say these dogs are meant to refer to false teachers. Well, whatever. It's dogs, impure people, people of low character, people who practice lies. You can destroy a person by lies. Once a lie gets out there, you can't stop it. It's, it, it, it can be going on for years. And they say a lie will travel faster than the truth. That's why I don't watch a whole bunch of television, because it's a bunch of lies. They tell you what they want you to know, and what they don't, they keep it. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David, the bright of the morning star. As the root of David, Jesus Christ brought David to existence. As the offspring of David, Jesus came into the world, born a Jew, from David's line, from his lineage. But the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ here is evident. As creator of all, he existed long before David. And as human, however, he was David's descendant. He was greater than David, but he was greater than David because he was God. But he says he's a bright and morning star announcing the soon arrival. Jesus Christ will come for his church as a morning star. The morning star. This is the brightest star announcing a new day. He's coming. 
for sure he's coming. In the spirit, verse 17, and the brides say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whosoever will, or whosoever, let, let him come and take the water of life freely. This is a free gift. So both the Holy Spirit, the bride, the church extends an, invit an invitation to the world to come to Jesus Christ and experience the joy of salvation in Christ. Come, it's an invitation to sinners. It's an invitation to hurting people. Come, he says, it's an invitation to people who are dying and people who are lost and people who are confused and people have given up. He, he said, come. He said the invitation is open to all, as Billy Graham used to say. He said a gospel is open to the whole world. The invitation is out. The spirit and the bride say, come. The, the lost soul is invited to come and drink of the water of life freely. And let him who thirsts, talked about spiritual thirst. I think it's a spiritual thirst in everybody's heart without their creator. People are thirsting for Christ. People are thirsting for him. I know people who have everything they want that money can buy and they're still empty inside because they're thirsting for Christ. Only he can fill that void. You know, the, the answer to a miracle problem is not a political problem, it's a spiritual problem. Until people turn back to their creator, we will continue to go downhill. People have to turn back to that creator. We have kicked him out of the school, we've kicked him out of the classroom, we've kicked him out of the culture. And now we, have, we are reaping what we have sown. We have sown. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book, verse 18 and 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. What he's saying right here, it is a very dangerous thing to try to tamper with the word of God to fit your doctrine, to fit your theology. He said this book must be guarded. It cannot be altered. If you try to alter it, you will be disciplined. There's a high price to pay if you tamper with God's word is what he's saying. He don't want you to add or take away from it. He's perfectly capable of doing that himself. He does not need you to do it. But a lot of people will twist the Bible to make it say what they want. And that's why James 3.1 said there should not be many teachers because they're going to receive their greater judgment. There's a high price to pay. So verse 18 and 19 is a warning against trampling with the word of God. Satan loves to add, add to the word of God. He loves men to add to the word of God. But if, person, if a person do that, they invite in judgment on themselves. Every day people add their theologies and their traditions to the word of God. 
He said in verse 20, I'm coming quickly. He keeps saying that. What do you think when you hear that? You think he's coming quickly? He's someone to come so quick. It, it, you won't even be able to recognize it. He's going to come an hour when you think not as a thief in the night. Verse 20, he who testified these things, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. His church responds, come Lord Jesus. Echoing of the prayer of the Aramaic speaking church, they said Maranatha. The Aramaic speaking church, they would say Maranatha, come quickly Lord Jesus. This is good to those who trust Christ. For those who trust Christ, yeah, come Lord Jesus. Those who have invited Christ into their life and those who are born again and those who are saved, yes, come Lord Jesus. But it's a message of judgment to those who have not. Three times in these closing chapters, John writes, come quickly. He will come quickly. But he's waiting for sinners to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The last prayer of the Bible is that the Holy Spirit through John saying, even so come, Lord Jesus. This ought to be our daily prayer also. There was a lot of suffering churches in John's time, and a lot of churches were saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Spirit say come, the bride say come. But every believer ought to invite lost sinners to trust Christ in the drink of the water of life freely. Attitudes. A positive attitude in a negative world. When you start thinking about the blessings of Christ. We want to tell other people about the grace and about the free gift of Christ. That is why we're here. Is to tell people. And to try to bring as many people with us as possible. Revelation 22, 21 said, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. He closes with the grace. The same thing as Paul closed with in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22 to 24. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. Beautiful closing. Your future is bright, although it might look dim now, although the world's chaotic. But this too shall pass. But the only thing that is going to last throughout eternity is the thing that is done for Christ. And if you here today, you have not received him, is your Savior, do it today, because tomorrow is not promised. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. And he will come in and he will change your life from the inside out. He has never refused anybody yet. But he said, you have to come. You have to come. You have to invite him. Christ is not going to force himself on anybody. He wants you to willingly ask him to come in. And if you will do that, he will come into your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that for your many blessings. We ask God that you would touch each heart.
that is watching by YouTube or Facebook, if people who have not received you as a personal Savior, that they would invite you to come into their hearts today. And we pray, God, you will use each one of us to tell other people about the free gift of salvation. We thank you for this time. Bless you, believers. Encourage their heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will see you again next Sunday. God bless.